Hello to today's podcast from Mark and Mark on pharmaceutical contamination monitoring. Today we look at the particle path of microbials inside a filling line. I'm Mark Mahauer with 25 years of experience in aseptic fill finish equipment and I'm with Hello, my name's Mark Hallworth, and I've got 25 years of providing solutions for environmental monitoring. Hello, Mark. Thank you for coming back. Um, last time we talked about the particle path, which is a little bit more difficult than the microbial path, um, because the main difference is that the microbial measurement is basically done inside the isolator. And um, we still have to deal with agar plates and getting them out and uh, bringing them to incubation and then have a five-day waiting period. Um, maybe we'll do another uh, podcast of this to look into biofluorescence in the future and how this can be used and maybe used in parallel. But we'll keep it today to the traditional um, agar plate techniques. And so we have uh, active monitoring and we have saddle plates. We have to bring those into the isolator and uh, we have to bring the saddle plates in position and we have to have the active uh, monitoring being opened, place the agar plate inside and uh, close it without getting our own contamination on this. Um, this has been done for many, many years. When did the active monitoring actually come in place? Is this now with the Annex 1 or was this already in the past? No, the, um, the need to, to do active monitoring heralds, you know, all the way back, you know, the, the, the FDA's guidance on sterile manufacture in, um, in 98 and again in 2004 require that active air sampling be performed in all areas of risk. In fact, the FDA say that settle plates are optional because there's a recognition that settle plates are more a qualitative measurement than they are a quantitative. You know, the only quantitative part is counts per four hours. So there's a, there's a you know, a large aspect of the real data to demonstrate control has to be a quantitative measurement. And therefore, that's your, you know, uh, active air samplers. So we've been installing active air samplers, well, at least 20 years into um, into facilities, Mark. So the active air sampler um, goes only a certain time until the agar plate dries out. Uh, you talked about four hours, which is the typical settle plate and no active air handling. So if we look into um, a typical mm. stainless steel active air handling plate um, with the 100 liters per minute uh, flow rate, you will see about 10 minutes of time then it dries out. So this means you have no continuous monitoring through active. No, and that's, and that's the one thing about what with agar plates is that we are, it's dynamic sampling. You know, we're not getting a record out at that particular time. And that's why, you know, having the traditional in conjunction with particle data gives you that continuous feedback. And in the early days, what we used to do is open the isolator grab a quick, you shut the door, grab a quick cubic meter and take the instrument back out again, much like we did, you know, with traditional monitoring in the old days. But now again, as uh, as technology has moved forward, just the impact heads, which to your initial point, makes the mechanics of sampling much easier. We don't have to worry about transporting the sample 
to a point of measurement, which is still there in a lot of the, you know, newer technologies. We're going to take a sample at the point, but we do have to swap those plates out and um, and that can be problematic. So it's the way in which we look at sampling and we can take a partial cubic meter over the course of four hours because the four hours is really if you put a plate in an area with 0.45 meters per minute flow rate above it that's kind of where you're looking at before you form a crust and or desiccation on the surface of the agar so there's there's a time limit to that with active air we just need that cubic meter or more and how long can we run that cubic meter now with um, with a lot of our newer technologies you can continuously sample for that four hours and now that does depend on the humidity in your chamber the temperature that your chamber's running at there are some environmental factors that contribute to the desiccation rate of media so providing they're all within acceptable ranges, we can run continuous impaction at very low flow rates, much lower than the 100 you spoke about, but still giving us the collection efficiencies that ISO and the EN uh, 17141 require. So we can still monitor dynamically within those areas. And at this point, we don't need settle plates because we've got that continuous sampling that the regulators are looking for it's active air sampling which is quantitative and much more valuable than just settle plates alone so we are able to move on from you know what what we felt was traditional traditional and <laughs> naturally looking at modern traditional techniques if that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. So if I calculate this quickly, you only need two th one third of your plates because um, one will go for four hours. Let's say your operation goes for eight hours. You need two plates which go for four hours. In the previous time, you did one in the beginning, one in the middle, one at the end. Then you needed two times four hours for um, settle plates. So this means you only need two plates instead of five. Yeah, and the and the price, the, the the real cost of of microbial monitoring has got nothing to do with the price of the plate, Mark. Uh, you know, as we know, yeah, it's somebody's got to take that plate to the field. Somebody has to recover it. Somebody has to put it in an incubator. It occupies incubator space for three to five days, and then an analyst has to read that plate and transpose data into into their limbs. It's the labor that surrounds the activity that's the cost, not the price of the plate. And I think some some estimates that I had a, a couple of years ago now were something in the order of about 100 euros per plate or just over $100 per plate was the kind of cost of uh, the, the labor. You know, it's the total cost of that data point. So... You know, if if a plate is a dollar or a euro, it's really you know, we're talking about small percentages of the overall cost. So if we can save three or four or five plates per point per day, then that's um, 
that's certainly using technology to our advantage. I think that uh, one other topic, which is a real cost topic, uh, is the false positive. So as soon as you have a false positive and you are um, having to investigate that one, uh, hopefully you can quickly prove that this came from an operator because the operator says, I touched it and this is what happened. But at the end, if you need an investigation, we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more, until you have that um, uh proven that it's not coming from your production and uh, maybe even you have to throw away your production because of it. Yeah, that's certainly a problem when we start to think about grade B or background areas. But the reality is if you see a single microbe false or otherwise in an isolator, we're going to do some sort of investigation. Now, the good thing is that type of evaluation can lean towards a handling error if it's not actually on the impactor plane of the pattern of the biocapt, which is a distinct advantage of that particular uh, technology. But regardless of um, final proof, if I'm in an isolator monitoring scenario and I see a single count on one of my plates, I'm going to go digging a little bit to try and find out what it is and hopefully where it came from. Mm. Okay, so um, we talked about the agar plates and uh, the measurement, but you also have to keep some in the isolator. So your unused and used plates around. Um, so there, there needs to be shelves designed where the, you keep them and then uh, uh, before and after measurement, for example, all those things have to be considered as well. Um, and they have to be reachable and in very close distance that you don't create any uh, extra movements inside the isolator during production. This is all, again, part of the risk assessment uh, to find out that all your operators can actually handle them and uh, handle them nicely without interrupting the production. This is one thing we have to worry about. Is there something special you have seen in your time here with the agar plates and storing? Uh, no, it's probably more in um, in your field than mine now because it this takes a, the design of the of the machinery to accommodate all of these extra components, and not just the plate that's being used and the blank plate that's about to be used, but the careful storage of the plate that's just been used. So. It um, As we start to look to gloveless isolators, we're going to have to be a little bit cleverer in what we do with how we activate certain plates and deactivate plates and how they're stored within the chamber until the end of the run when the doors can be opened and these components retrieved. So I don't think it's going to be as simple as reaching in through an access port anymore to be able to swap plates out so as we as we move to the next generation of isolator we're going to see our own products evolve to be the next generation of traditional and uh, new technologies that meets those demands yeah so you will see in the gloveless isolator you will see robots which are handling the plates which are opening uh 
uh, stainless steel heads and placing agar plates, and that will take a long time. Um, it the robot may not even be able to handle it because it's a 4x robot at the many times, and then the 4x robot will uh, have a hard time um, doing this motion. Um, maybe you have to design a complete new robot which can do this. Um, at the end, our biocap single use is probably easier to handle with most of the robots, but for sure it's easiest to handle it with the six-axis robot. And I think that as the people develop new machines, they have to keep this in mind, of course. For the uh, gloveless isolators, it's a big topic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked uh, about the head inside the machine, so all is left is getting this air out. The, we, we said the measurement is taken inside the machine, so we just have vacuum coming out from there. Um, some people talk about having a filter there in between as a sterile barrier. What do you think about that? It's, it's providing it doesn't prove to be too big a pressure drop to overcome that such that the instrumentation that's being used can effectively draw at a standard flow rate, then the, the filtration 0 0.2, 0 0.22 to, um, to sort of protect the outside from the inside is very common practice, as you said, Mark. Uh, and more so when you start to think about sterility isolators and, you know, your your test environments where, you know, the result from one microbial plate can impact the entire batch if it's uh, if it false fails during sterility testing. All right. And so all we do is we have a vacuum source on the outside with a with a flow meter and uh, have a, a validation package around it to show that we have the, the expected flow. Then we have our bioefficiency, and then uh, we should be good to go in this one, right? That's pretty much it, yep. Nice and easy. Then that, Because, you know, the difference between particle and microbial monitoring is that point of measurement. We, we can afford to have filters with microbial measurement on the uh, on the exhaust line, on the on the uh, extraction line, if you will, because it's post sample, and uh, and that makes the mechanics of this so much easier. Uh, and providing you've got a, a you know a high quality vacuum source such as the mini capped at the other end that's accurately measuring flow and variance in flow uh, within that chamber to make sure that the same velocity, that same impaction velocity, is maintained that's really where your quality of measurement is going to come from. I think that sums it up pretty nice. That brings us to the end today. Everyone who has more need for information on this topic or any other ones we talked about can reach out to their local PMS person, send us an email at info at pmeasuring.com or visit our website pmeasuring.com. Mark, thank you very much. Always a pleasure.